0: everybody, it's Sue Bidstrup with the Great Big Yes Podcast. On this podcast, I encourage you to say yes to building a business and a life that you love. I offer faith-based coaching to women who are ready to take ownership of their lives so that they can live abundantly, body, mind, and soul. I help you take every thought captive so you can overcome limiting thoughts and take inspired action. If you're looking for clarity, confidence, coaching, and community, you've come to the right place your best life is waiting for you. This is your invitation. What do you say? Yes or yes? I'm so glad you're here. Let's get started. Hey everybody, it's Sue and I'm excited to bring you this conversation with my friend Davis Erler. She has been a guest on this podcast before. This is actually the third time and she is the founder of the Three Day Sleep Solution. And so she has so many good things to teach us today. We talk about brain health. We talk about circadian rhythms. We talk about habits. She is a parent educator and a child advocate. And so her motto is sleep is job one, right? And so this is so true. We know this, but it's so cool today. She breaks it down as to why and how it affects the brain and Um, what kind of habits we're forming when we learn to sleep or we don't learn to sleep when we're young. And there's just so much good stuff here. So without further ado, here is my conversation, my third conversation on the podcast with Davis Erler. I know you're going to learn a lot. Enjoy. Hi, Davis. How are you? Hey, Sue. I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm so excited for you to be on. So we were just talking before we started. Davis was my very first guest on the podcast in 2016. And she was my guest for my 100th episode. And so we are doing it for a third time. So thank you for saying yes to coming back. Oh, well, thanks for having me come back for a third time. I'm I'm sure people, if they've listened at all, they know you and I have known each other since sixth grade. So we've Mm -hmm. known each other a really long time and we were kind of joking before we started. We could talk for like 16 hours. We could have a daily TV show and never run out of things to say. And so we're going to try to hone in here on what what would help the audience. But I know you have so much good experience and information and things that would help people. Can you just start by like introducing yourself and telling us what you do?
1: Yep. Yep. Um, Okay, well, I'm Davis Serler and my primary business is the three-day sleep solution. And what I do is I educate parents in the areas of sleep and nutrition, all that good stuff. But really what I am is I'm a parent educator and baby child advocate, meaning their voice. And what I've honed it down to, and really to help everybody understand exactly what I do is I educate parents on age-defined circadian rhythms. And that is our master clock that lives inside of us that is run by the pineal gland. And so when we do everything at the right time and all that good stuff, then miracles seem to happen. So that's, that's really what I do in a nutshell, but my business is the three day sleep solution. I work with children, zero to six to seven years old in every single area, but I am a little obsessed with the brain and how the brain works. So that's really, that's
0: what it's all derived from. Okay. So I love this because how, how many years have you been doing this business? 21. Oh my gosh. You're kidding. I me. know. That is no so long. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And so years. over that time, I mean, it's kind of a, it's too broad of a question to ask you, what have you learned? But I think it would be safe to say over that time, you've learned so much. You've, like you said, it's all about, and you've kind of honed in on what you're all about. Like as a business owner, did it start like, okay, well, I'm just going to train these kids to sleep, not knowing, oh my gosh, this is all about being a parent educator and all about circadian rhythms. I think I didn't even know what circadian rhythm meant until a couple of years ago. Um, So tell us how has it like, transformed over time like when you first started what were you doing and is that different now or are you still kind of doing the same thing
1: well there's there's absolutely so much that i've learned uh personally i mean if you think about it as as a mo- as a mother, it's like, I've grown up with this business as well. So the, the interesting thing about it is it, it kind of found me, I didn't find it. And I always think that that's kind of the best things somehow our calling finds us. We don't go reach searching for it. Yeah. Um, and it just really all started, you know, with scout having the sleep issues and so forth. And then, then once I learned what I was doing and I was creating the habits. And so what I want my and what I want our listeners to hear when I say habits, what I mean is it's all about the brain and a synapsis fires off and it's looking for something to meet it and whatever meets it, it consistently is a habit. So when I say habits, that's what I mean. And That's what makes our habits habits is the synapsis is fired off. Like I'm tired. And whatever is met with that, you know, with babies, if they're fed to sleep, pacified to sleep or whatever, the brain's like, all right, I'm tired. What, what are we gonna do here? And then when you do it, that becomes the habit, but all habits usually run their course. So when I say that, that's really that's really what I wanna say is habits, but, but you know, changing the connectors in the brain is what it's all about and doing it at the right time is all about. But to answer your question, what I found myself doing is when I became a postpartum doula, when I moved to California is I found myself being the teaching doula, whereas, um, the other doulas and night nurses were really kind of keeping themselves in a job. And honestly, not on purpose. I just don't think that they even really knew what they were doing other than keeping the baby quiet. So the parents could sleep and all of that, but I found myself trying to work my way out of a job by teaching parents appropriate bedtimes, everything. And then one of my clients just had me come over one day to talk to her play group because she's like, all we talk about is how exhausted we are. That's all we talk about. And so I came and it's so fascinating to even talk about this now. So I was a postpartum doula and then this happened. And then, so now I'll talk about my very first quote unquote sleep consultant clients. Um, So that, a gal named Wendy said, "Davis, would you will you just come over for a few hours and tell me exactly what to do with Emma?" Just and I'm like, "Sure, absolutely happy to." That was my very first consultation, that I sat in somebody's living room and gave exact instructions on what to do.
0: Yeah,
1: and so I worked with that whole group of plate of um kid, uh, and the these women. This group of women is what started my whole business because then they told their friends, who told their friends, and told their friends, and so but. The great thing about this is I've watched these kids grow up and that's the cool thing about social media. I've gotten to watch all of my clients grow up pretty much. And, um, this group of gals, um, these kids all just graduated high school and they're all heading to college this year.
0: Oh, it's so exciting. Okay. So I want to stop you there for a second because you mentioned scout and I, for the listeners, I want everyone to know, okay, so you raised three girls and scout was your Uh youngest. Yeah. And how old are your girls now?
1: My girls now, um, are 26,
0: 25 and 21. Okay. And so this was born. It's kind of like that. Um, necessity is the mother of invention, right? Like you were Mm -hmm. figuring this out for yourself, for your own child, and then it kind of morphed into this. So I love that as a business coach, I love you telling that story because so often I think people are searching out there for the thing they should do in quotes. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Mm well, what are you actually doing? Like, what is your life teaching you because you're an expert in that. Then you become an expert Mm -hmm. in that. And it's like, then you can help other people through that. So I love that. So I wanted to, um, mention that. And then I love just that it's word of mouth, right? So you helped somebody Mm -hmm. and then she told a friend and she told a friend and she told a friend, which is absolutely best way to get clients referral.
1: It it is, it's the, it's the very best way. And, you know, and it, and it is so stood the test of time. And, you know, going back to your question about learning and so forth. One of the things that I've also learned is, is, you know, the babies in general are pretty easy. You know, every once in a while, I'll have a baby who might have a little glitch in their system, like a sleep crier or, you know, something like that. But I I say to my clients a lot is, I don't learn from anybody other than a baby and a child, because when I actually get the pleasure of doing a three day, three night, and I live with people for three days and three nights, and that's, that's the bulk of my business right there. I sit and I watch a baby. I'm living with that baby. So nothing is done. Nothing is learned through a book or somebody else's ideas of what has been told to them. I've actually spent those 21 years with babies, learning about babies by babies. Yes. And so in that, and I think that that's really where the magic is too. You know, I, you know, there's this big thing, you know, there's sleep consultants coming out of the woodwork and everything, but it's like the, the missing pieces is how did you learn this? Did you watch a baby sleep? Do you know what time their sleep pattern breaks? And so that's the thing too, is like, you know, I've learned one-on-one and also learning about the, just the different waves of what happens as well too. You know, I actually left the business for a while because I just couldn't deal with one more. Well, I read on Google, I read on Google, I read on Google <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> um, and I want, and, you know, beyond, beyond, you know, talking about my business, you know, cause I really want my, my listeners, my clients to, um, to hear this too. But also I, as business owners, I want to send this message out. When you, when your business turns into a convincing business, it's going to wear you out and wear you down. And it's okay not to be in a convincing business. Your real clients are going to, are going to learn from you and understand, but
0: it didn't trust your expertise versus. So explain to someone to explain to everyone, like, what would, what do you mean by convincing business?
1: Right. So, uh, you know, for instance, having a client that, um, well, my friend's baby can go to sleep at this time, my friend's baby. And I read on Google that, yeah. that this isn't that, you know, they really don't need this. And, you know, I want my baby to do this and my baby, you know, and it's like, well, you know, I've done, and then it turns into, well, this, I've done this for 21 years and I, this and this and your bit, you know, and it's like, then all of a sudden I'm trying to change their mind about, about, what
0: about what they read on the first page of Google? Well, like and what, what I they, what is so interesting about that is that they've hired you mm-hmm. and yet they're stuck in a pattern or they're insisting on their own way, which is, which yes. gets to like the human, the habit and the brain and the human nature and the resistance to change and all of that stuff that I know that you love. Um, yes. That's yes. what's fascinating about the parents, right? Yeah. it's And people always
1: say, do you ever have a really tough baby? And I always look, I go, it's never about the baby. It's about the parents. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's, what's really hard. Cause there's a lot of stuff that goes on, but you know, that's when I came back into my business, cause the calling wouldn't leave me. It just would not leave me. Mm-hmm. Um, that when I came back in, I made a firm decision for me that I was no longer going to, going to live, be a convincing business. Cause my business went from an educating business to a convincing business. And like I said, it wore me down because that's not, that's not what I'm designed to do. You hire me and you let me do my work. Yeah. Um, so now, you know, with age, with experience, what I've learned, everything now, I, I simply say to people, I'm not in the convincing business. I respect you. If you do not want to follow the plan that I'm putting out for you, that's great. But I'm, I'm not, I'm not here to convince you. And that is really what I say is, like I have even been so firm with people that I'm like, I won't listen to any, I read on Google stuff. Like I'm not mm-hmm. doing that. That's not what I'm here for. I right. like if I, I, and I joke, I'm like, I do not have a package that
0: says Google talk. I don't have one. <laughs> well, and I think as a business owner, I love that you're saying that because I work with so many different business owners in different industries. And the truth is not everyone is your client. And it's Oh my okay. God, no. It's, and it's okay. okay. In fact, okay. your business can't, like, you can't thrive in your business if you try to like chameleon yourself to fit every single client's personality. It's not yeah. a business. Right. Yeah. So, I love, love, love that you're bringing that up. And you mentioned, um, I mean, there's so many things I want to talk about, but I was thinking about the connectors in the brain and like how, when if you're, if there's a need and you're soothed by a pacifier or you're soothed by a bottle or you're soothed by food or something mm-hmm. else then those patterns show up in adulthood right yes they do
1: yes they do so yeah let's jump in that because i want if i if i could do anything in this lifetime it would be to hear this and i and i often joke so that if i were more intelligent and had more of a like a researchy kind of brain i i really think i could pull enough research to to actually do something with this theory that I'm about to talk about. I think you Um, still can.
0: Let's not close the door on that. No,
1: there's no door closed. There's no door closed. But I just think like, you know, like if I were this brainiac, I I could probably win a Nobel Prize by like, oh my God, groundbreaking, like kind of like, you know, like this is really weird too. And I'm going a little segue and I know, but l- listen to me in all my confidence winning myself a Nobel prize over here, right? <laughs> I love it. Shoot <laughs> for the stars, no um, limits. That's right, no limits. But, um, but you know, it wasn't until the year 2019 that um, somebody won a Nobel prize for circadian rhythm research. Now here's the irony there. Our circadian rhythms are as old as us, but isn't it interesting that it wasn't until 2019 that somebody actually won a Nobel prize because it's just finally starting to get it, get understood. Like what makes, what makes us do things that at the time of days and so forth. So it's Can you really explain fascinating what a
0: circadian rhythm is to people who are listening, who haven't heard that term. Well,
1: it's, it's our master clock that lives inside of us. It's as sure as the moon and the sun, right? Like it's as sure as that. And so it's all of our rhythms and it's very age defined. And the younger human being is, is the more, defined and tighter they are, but it is, um, but everything sits in a rhythm. And what it really is, it's, it's the pineal gland. Who's just throwing all of these chemicals out that it's when the serotonin is highest, the melatonin and so forth and cortisol, glucose, all
0: that. Those are the rhythms that we go through. um,
1: Like for example, like
0: how we would get like tired around 3 Mm PM. Yes. Yes,
1: that is, that's the brain's way of saying, hey, serotonin needs a break right now.
0: Serotonin's but instead of coffee- taking like a nap, we go and get a coffee.
1: That's right. That's right. We're constantly trying to mess with our circadian rooms. And when we do, when we do, we pay a price. We always pay a price because when we, when we defy them, our cortisol, adrenaline, and glucose goes up. And what does that mean? That actually means we're living in a state of stress and when we're living in a state of stress our amygdala opens up a little bit more and and our digestive gets messed up everything so what am i saying here honor your circadian rhythms now also the other thing that happens and i i share this with everybody is the reason why shift workers have lower life expectancies is because they're always in a state of stress and circadian rhythms are designed to keep us alive but they're also very happy to just say, Mm-mm, don't mess with me. So when when we defy them to a point, and then we have to ship, shift back into the natural rhythms, a very unfriendly hormone chemical, it has to do that work. And what that does is actually breaks down the body. That's what it does. Yeah. So I always say to parents, when they see their child kind of going through that, I, I say, please take a snapshot of that. And promise your promise yourself, you'll never let your child get sleep deprived again. And in another way I have to explain it is when those circadian rhythms are trying to organize and get back to where they're supposed to be with the, with the wonderful flow of serotonin, melatonin and so forth is this is, um, is, oh, it's like jet lag. That's, that's what the body's going through. It's jet lag, because think about it. When we change time zones, Godspeed, like in an airplane, and then we land, we get there. Our circadian rhythms are like, what just happened? Now I've got to flow out a bunch of chemicals and get, get it all organized. So it's actually jet lag that you feel and jet lag breaks the body down. So that's it in a nutshell.
0: So What is so interesting about this is like you said, you learned everything from listening to the babies, right? From Mm -hmm, doing the mm -hmm, work and listening to mm -hmm, the babies. And mm -hmm. as a parent, if I would have known earlier or trusted myself enough earlier to listen to my baby, listen to my toddler, listen to my grade schooler, listen to my junior high kid, listen to my high schooler, right? Like to allow like nature to do its work. Right. So when they're showing me signs of being tired, instead of being like, Oh, come on, just buck up. Let's go. We got to get this done. Like, right. We do that so much as parents where we're trying to make them fit into like our schedule and not right. their schedule of their body. And, uh, right, and right. this is affecting their brain and this is affecting even addiction long-term, right? Right. Well, absolutely. So that's even a bigger
1: one. Cause whenever, Moms, you know it's mostly moms, but sometimes dad will say, "Well, I know my baby," and I say, "You actually don't know your baby." <laughs> so, be and, and I and I say that very lovingly, um, because you know also when parents will say, "My my instincts," well, the thing about our instincts, they're they're pretty, they're all they're so heightened that everything that makes us feel uncomfortable feels catastrophic, and that is because from the second we wake up in the morning, whether we turn our TVs on or we look at our phone. Um, we are bombarded with fear-based material. I mean, it's just the way it is. The amygdala is designed. It's like every, everything we come across is designed to open our amygdala a little because fear sells Mm. and so forth. So the thing is, is most parents are just, are just really committed to keeping their babies quiet because if the baby is quiet, it means the baby must be happy. And that causes a lot of sleep deprivation. So the, the thing is, it's, it's not the most natural thing in the world now, um, because we are so designed to just ignore everything and also bombarded with fear-based information. I can't say it enough. You can go to Google, you can go to Instagram, you can go anywhere and you can find somebody with a million followers who, who wants to teach it one way. And it's like, but that's so wrong. And the thing, so, and I want to say this before I forget too, is my business is really no different than a personal trainer or nutritionist is, is that's really kind of what it is. And it, it's that change. Like you can start by just saying, okay, I just want to make sure I stay in shape and eat the right foods, or you can wait until you're 80 pounds overweight and go and see a a personal trainer. That's kind of my life. People hire me, but while they're pregnant, people hire me when the baby's like three years old. Right. So there's a lot of stuff going on there, but I wanted, I, you know, it's really important to say it because, but the point is, is there's a pain of change there. There is the pain of change. And that's those brain connectors. And I, and I want to throw this in about the brain too. The brain loves to conserve energy. That's what it, that's what it wants to do. That's why change is so hard, even with our babies, because now it's emotional change. It's all this. So I get that. But at the end of the day, once we change, we change now let's segue into what you said and what, uh, you know, what I plan on winning my Nobel Prize in, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, is when our babies, those first couple of years of life, I want everybody to look at it like the foundation of a house. It's got, it needs to be built solid because if it's not, then it's like, you're constantly patching up the work, no matter how small or big the house is. Um, And and so what happens those first few years of life and wrapping it back to circadian rhythms is it's our job to feed the right need. And so what that means is when the baby, when it's mealtime, the baby eats that, that creates the digestive system where, and, you know, but we have a tendency to constantly be feeding. That's why we have a society of overfed and underslept people. It actually starts the first couple of years of life. Mm. So, so we, we, you know, so when the brain is hungry you know or the body's hungry we say okay it's meal time and then when the when the body says and the brain says i'm tired it's sleeping time and when we do that at the right time and then when we hand over that age appropriate responsibility to the baby meaning we let the baby do it themselves just like we do Babies don't need to have a pacifier. Babies don't need to be fed to sleep. They don't need any of that. What they need is a safe sleep environment. And then they do it on their own because when they do it on their own, that means I, the brain went into the first stage of sleep. Then it's going to cross over the different stages of sleep and sleep pattern breaks and they keep doing it. But if the baby is, is, um, spread out too far, they crash and Mm -hmm. then they're, they're fed with a pacifier. Now I'm going to talk about pacifiers in a second bottle, breast, human being, anything, then wh- anytime the baby's brain wakes up during sleep pattern breaks, the brain says, hey, however I got to sleep, you better get back in here and get me back to sleep. So that's that, all of everything that I just said to you is really all what keeps my business going because that's what, that's what people do. And, and I get it and it's just what we do. Now, people often say to me, well, what's the big deal, Davis? It's not a big deal. And I say, well, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but let's go forward in life and how we train the brain. And I am very anti-pacifier for this reason. Now I'm going to say this, I'm talking about healthy babies here. You guys like, like if your baby's premature or there's something going on, then that's what pacifiers were actually developed for, but we're talking about just normal, healthy, babies here. Um, but when, what happens with pacifiers and it's, it's actually kind of funny when I do workshops and I talk about pacifiers, like I swear parents like burst out into sweats and they're actually <laughs> plotting, they're plotting my death right. um, is what happens is when a baby's brain needs to experience something and baby human being, whatever, but we'll talk about babies and it makes us feel uncomfortable, makes yeah. us feel uncomfortable. We put something in their mouth And what that trains the brain to do is don't experience that. So then we end up with long-term pacifier use. Now people do it with feeding. People do it with, with a lot of stuff. So the other thing too, is, um, is like, if, if you are fed to sleep, if baby, if we feed our babies to sleep, we, we just train their brain and, you know, the hypothalamus, everything like the subconscious part of the brain that when I'm tired, my inclination is to eat because it's just what you train the brain to do in the, in the fundamental parts. So that's the whole thing is like you, you eat during mealtime, you sleep during sleep time, they should not be, they should not be, um, correlated and so forth. But, you know, breastfeeding is a big one too. It's easy just to pop the baby to the breast and create a lot of habits that way, because it's just the habits of the brain. But let's go back to long-term past fire use. Um, is then, you know, the child puts it in their mouth, their mouth too, because they feel a sense of discomfort, can be anything, it can be frustrated, it can be any, anything in the world. But as soon as they pop that pacifier in their mouth and they start sucking and it's pacifier, bottle, breast, I, again, it doesn't matter, but what happens is it gets a dopamine kick. And when that dopamine kick is, is created by outside sources, when it's not feeding the right need, then that trains the brain to only get to a certain place before it needs something outside of itself to create that comfort. So that is why we want to make sure that we always hand over age appropriate responsibility. So that foundation is built um, solid. Now, I'm such a believer that that addictions and anxiety kind of the same thing actually um, is is birth the first couple of years of life. Now, do I think that there might be a small genetic propensity for it? Maybe, sure, Um, but it's very hard for a codependent or an addict not to raise one because it's just the habits of the brain. It's not good or bad. It's just the habits of the brain. And so whatever we need to do to, to reach out and bring that comfort, because the brain has just been lovingly trained. This is the crazy thing. It's always done without even knowing we're doing it to our children or anything. And it's usually done out of so much love. Like, oh, I don't want you to be uncomfortable here. That's what it is. But what it does is the brain doesn't know that. The brain just gets trained to, to relieve discomfort rather than processing all the way through it. And so just over the years, it's been kind of, a, it's been kind of an interesting thing for me to do because I get to live with people and I'm old now. So I know a lot of people is, um, is I ask, like if people tell me, oh, I have anxiety issues or I have this or I have this. I'll actually ask the question, oh, did you, did you use a pacifier? Did you do this? And it's been crazy that how many people, especially who have anxiety issues later on, um, will say, oh yeah, my mom finally took it away from me when I was three. Um, And you know, there's, there's all that goes on and it's just because the brain hasn't that fundamental part of the brain needs to reach outside of themselves for that dopamine kick for that for that release okay and what I' wonder, and what, I'm,
0: what about thumb suckers you know how some kids like Natalie oh, I love like, I love
1: that you brought that yeah. yeah I love that you brought that up love it okay so this is this is a big thing too is um, people don't necessarily like when their kids are thumb suckers and so forth here's the thing about Some children are suckers, right? And people will say, well, I'm going to give them a pacifier. So they're not a thumb sucker. And I say, do you actually think that your child is so like dense that if that pacifier can't be found, they don't look at all that hand and be like, oh yeah, I can shove these things in there. Like if your child is a sucker, that's why they're actually able to reach their hands, by the way. That's why they can reach their hands because their hands are designed to be in their mouth. Now, but I'm going to talk about thumb sucking in a second. Um, but the thing is, is babies are able to reach their hands because they need their hands. They need their hands to build microbiome for their immune systems. You think about a baby, the baby touches the dirtiest parts of our home and this world. And they, they turn around and shove both hands in their mouth. They use, they need them for teething. They need them. They need them for everything is what they need them for. So babies, they're supposed to have their hands. If your baby wants to shove their hand in their mouth and suck, that's their business. See what I'm saying? That's Mm -hmm. their business. Yeah. When you put something in their mouth, Got it. It, you're, you're saying something different. Now, what I find about thumb suckers, I find something interesting about thumb suckers. Um, some children will like stick their, and I'm talking babies, um, will stick their fingers in their mouth and suck a little to go to sleep. And that's beautiful, wonderful, whatever, that's their gig. But when I talk about thumb suckers, those kids that walk around with their thumb in their mouth all the time. Um, those children are usually, um, it's, it, it usually is after fire use because so many fire users usually turn into thumb suckers because they need something. But even if they're not, they're just thumb suckers. I find those children don't get enough sleep. They usually don't have the best diet in the world because they constantly have sugar crashes. Um, but the majority of thumb suckers are actually sleep deprived. Hmm. Cause it's a constant soothing that sucking, that sucking dopamine hit, dopamine hit, dopamine hit, dopamine hit. And so it soothes them.
0: You know, um, what's weird though. Natalie sucked her thumb, like on the, um, like in utero. <laughs> Like, um, yeah, no, it's totally, it's, it's not the worst thing in the world.
1: I'm talking about like when you see three, four, five year olds walking yeah. around all day with their thumbs shoved in there.
0: That's what I'm talking about. Well, and I think every parent that has a thumb sucker is nervous. Like, and I remember the doctor being like, listen, she's not going to go to college sucking her thumb. <laughs> like it was one of those things you were like, how do we stop this? Because like the pacifier you can take away, but the thumb, but, yes, <laughs> but, but,
1: but go back to what I was saying though. But if your child's actually a sucker, then we have to deal with thumb suckering pacifier use doesn't replace right. a thumb sucker is what I'm trying to say. Right. So don't, eat, here's the moral of the story. Just don't use a pacifier period. Right.
0: Well, and um, one of the things you said was that, you know, the parents do this out of love. Like they're like, oh, I just don't want you to be uncomfortable. But earlier you said something that I think I want to bring together with that is that a lot of times it's about the parents being uncomfortable.
1: It's always about the parents being uncomfortable. Yeah.
0: And I do think like, wow, you know, in society today, there are so many ways that we self-soothe and s- scrolling social media, alcohol, mm-hmm. drugs, sex, mm-hmm. porn, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. We have to self-soothe ourselves because we haven't learned this, like, like just this resilience or this, like. Just being okay. Yes. Just being okay. Just being okay. Yeah. Being uncomfortable. Yeah. Um,
1: being uncomfortable, being frustrated is like, is like been coined as like the worst thing in the world. And, and it's not, it's how the brain learns. Uh, You know, the brain cannot learn, cannot, it cannot build a new brain connector. And I always say to parents, think about a seed coming up out of the ground, that seedling coming up out of the ground. That's what's going on in the brain with the new connectors. The brain has to feel frustrated for that to happen. It's a physical sensation. Um, there's no way around it that's how we learn that's how that's how babies learn that's how children learn and when and this is what I really want parents to hear me say all of the time is that when we take away that frustration and discomfort however you want to look at it um, from babies and children it actually creates a low tolerance for frustration and that is where we start seeing um I won't say learning disabilities, but, but like not interest in learning in school, behavioral issues, addiction, anxiety, on and on and on low tolerance for frustration. That's what I'm talking about here. At the end of the day, we train the brain not to be frustrated. And we do it all the time with our children. You think about all of the kids that walk around with iPads and phones, and, and those are all designed for dopamine hits. But you know, it's like, I need a hit. I need a hit. I need a hit instead of saying you're okay. Like, that's the thing is you're okay. You're okay. Because the truth is you're okay. You might be uncomfortable right now, but once the brain gets past it, meaning it's building a connector or it it remembers an old connector that goes, Oh yeah, that's right. I'm okay. Right. Miracles happen.
0: Miracles happen. Today in society too, it's not even okay for people to be sad. Like, I'm no. always telling my adult kids like, well, there's, there's ups and downs in life. Some days are sad. Like, it doesn't mean you have a bad life. It doesn't mean you're completely it depressed. You you're just that- having a bad day and it's okay to be sad. Like we've almost like told, like we've created this monster of like, it's not okay to feel these normal emotions that will actually, if we just feel them and go through them, we build up resilience and adapt. Oh, oh, yeah. Beautiful
1: and you're 100% right. Like it's, it's, we have created a society that discomfort is so wrong. Like, and is if you're, if you're uncomfortable, fix it and fix it fast. And Mm -hmm. that's really how it is. You know, it's interesting, you know, it's, it's just instant gratification is what's going on. And, you know, but the thing is, is you've said a lot there, whereas with us parents too, it it really is trying to satisfy our own discomfort when we are, when we're doing this with our children. But I also want to say again, like nobody teaches us this stuff. Nobody teaches us this. And, and, and I, and for whatever reason, it became my thing in life to do my very best at teaching people exactly what their babies are trying to say at the, at the times that they're saying it. And then, you know, going from there and knowing that it's okay to experience discomfort. It's just what it is. Nothing can change without discomfort. Think about that for a second. And the discomfort can be prolonged because you're trying to run from it or whatever, or it's gonna be met and it's gonna be taken care of, done, period. And then that brain connector is built and the next time you experience that exact same thing, you're good. Right. There's a
0: pathway that has been created in your body.
1: Yes, 100%. And And what's so
0: interesting about this work is, you know, you're talking about so many different facets. Like you're talking about brain health. You're talking about Mm -hmm. habits. You're talking about like psychology. You're talking about addiction. Like you're talking about, but there's a real spirituality in this as well. And I think that's oh yeah something that's so like it just makes me cry to think of it. Like if the parent can just connect with the child, like if the parent can just listen to the child too, and understand like, there's not one path to success. Like your child is a unique being. Yes. You're going to teach them things that are going to help them that will be universally helpful to people. But each child has its own unique thing. Each parent has its own unique thing. Each family has their own unique thing. And to like, just love yourself enough to like, be where you are and be like, I can do this. It's going to be okay. We're in like, we're a family together and we're paying attention to one another. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah,
1: it, it absolutely does. And you know, and that's, that's really, I think kind of where I really come in as far as at that, at building that foundation, right? Because when that foundation is built correctly and what I mean by that really, like, I'll go back and repeat it but you know, sleep is job one. And I want, yes. and if I could stand on the mountaintops and talk about that sleep is job one without, and it goes back to melatonin. Melatonin is the gold. It's the golden everything because melatonin is what keeps us alive. It keeps us growing. It, it, it distributes um, everything we need for our body and it can only be met in sleep. Sleep is job one. I cannot say it enough. And, and, you know, one yeah. of my quips is, Uh, you know, sleep feeds the brain, food feeds the body now. So, but yes, you build that foundation and you really understand your child, but, and then you kind of get to decorate the house, right? Like that foundation is built right. And -hmm. then you decorate the house. And that's kind of what you're saying. Like every home looks different. Every child wants, you know, different, everything. That is how we really can really honor everything. It's like, I always say, you do the hard work and you get to, yes. you get to play. Right. Yes. And, you know, and I think that that's what's, and that's, what's really cool about it. I think everybody should be able to do it, how everybody should be able to decorate their home any way they want.
0: Yeah. And, no, let so let's good. That foundation. I think what's interesting is like we don't learn, like we said, you said earlier, like you don't really learn this, you know. Like I remember, no. you know, with my first child, I was totally clueless. By my third child, I was like the magician of all sleep. <laughs> like I was yeah. like, this is how this is gonna be, this is how this is gonna go down. Um, but you don't know it right away. And this isn't something, so it's not anything to you be- You aren't taught. Yeah, aren't and taught it's about. not anything to be ashamed about or embarrassed about mm-hmm. or feel mm-hmm. bad about. It's like Okay. well, now that we know there's more to it and we know that sleep is job number one, how do we do this? How do we build this strong foundation? So
1: I love that. And yes, and also, you know, people always ask me, is it too late? Is it too late? I mean, I have this conversation with my girls all of the time. Like we talk about this all of the time because, you know, I'll say that one's on me. That wasn't on me because this is what I because I didn't know. Listen, anybody anybody can keep a child alive. That's what we're designed to do. Survive. That's what we are designed to do. Um, it's how it's how well we want to do it. And. That's the part where the education comes in, and unfortunately, right now that education is not dominant. Like right now, it's all about eating. It's all about eating. It's all about eating. That's all we're taught from the second we give birth: just feed your baby, just feed your baby, just feed your baby. And the thing is, is what that does? It causes a lot of issues, and and sleep is missed. Like I said earlier, there's a reason why we actually have a society of underslept and overfed. Like look yeah. around. And it, and it starts from that place and it's no other reason than it just really hasn't the education and the importance of it hasn't really hit the medical community which once it does if it ever does then we'll see it start being taught a little bit more and so forth but we're still very committed to just keeping a child quiet and and feeding it and so there's a lot to this that trust me I could do an eight a, you know I don't know I could talk about this forever in a day, but going back to what you said about, about, um, and I think it's really good for us to segue into this about what you just said about letting it be how you do it and let your child be who they are. Yeah. And, and I think that that, that is really the beautiful, the beauty of it. And you know, my analogy is it's like a house. Your family is like a house. Your child is like a house. Let it, let them decorate it the way they want everything because that's their life. But yeah. what I want to, what I want to, kind of hone in on there, Sue, is like that whole, well, my friends, you know, what do my friends think? What do my friends think? What do my friends think? And it's that whole, that whole envy thing and that whole Competition. competition thing that we start from the day the baby's born. Like, like, listen, it's, uh, Oh, Oh, your baby sleeps that much. That's weird. Or your baby Oh, yeah, your baby sleeps. It's this competition, then it rolls into school, then it rolls into everything. And there's got to be this, this solid foundation in ourselves as a parent, to say, let's do it. We're going to do it this way because this is what's best for our family for us. And we're not going to worry about what the rest of the world thinks.
0: Oh my gosh. I mean, think about this. I remember when my kids would like be on a strict, like, I'd be like, okay, we take our nap at this time and we go to bed at this time. Right. When I got real serious about it and like even family members would be like, oh my gosh, that's ridiculous. Just get them out of bed. Let's go. We want to go bowling or we want to go to whatever. And you're like, no, like I'm, it's kind of like anything in life. When you start to really do what's right for you, maybe it's getting sober or maybe it's losing mm-hmm. weight or maybe it's mm-hmm. going to therapy or you start to really kind of take control. And you're like, I am serious about this. I want to build my best life yeah. and you make changes. Other yeah. people see that and that's a mirror to them and they start to go, wait, but instead of saying, Oh, let's, let me look at myself. They just put it back on you. Like something's wrong with you or, Oh, you're so fun. You're so yeah, like, you're so rigid. Yes.
1: Well, I, you know, one of my friends often says, um, water meets water meets itself at its own level or something like that. Right. And when, w- when we change our level, it's really hard if people aren't yeah. ready to change their level and that's, that's okay. Right. But, um, right but you're right. Like I, one of the things that I have to say to people about that in particular, like, are you crazy? Why they're fine. They're fine. If we replace the whole idea of that with food, like for instance, no way would our family members say, I know they're hungry. I don't care. Let's go bowling. Yeah. You can wait, right? <laughs> like, is it <laughs>
0: so true?
1: It's so true. Yeah. We say Sleep is job one it's like, oh, they're tired, get them home and get their brain some food. Right. Right. That's the shift we have to make because if then when we do, we're going to watch everything change.
0: Oh, I love it. It's so good. That shifts the perspective
1: yes, because it's the
0: one it? thing people are like, oh, we can go without it. Like even in college, when you pull all nighters or mm-hmm. when you are building a business or you are, have like, if you're a lawyer and you have an important case, there's Grown adults staying up all night, doing their work. Yep. Like they're not honoring the need for sleep. Right. Right. And that's where everything falls apart. Everything falls apart. Oh Once you're
1: sleep deprived, everything falls apart. So that's, so that's a big deal. I mean, and, and I, and I absolutely get it. And, but that is, that's pretty important. And when I say that out loud to people like, oh yeah, that's right. Cause a lot of people say, well, my husband will never see the baby. And I'm like, he's fine. Trust me. But you would never say to your baby, I know you're looking at me because you're really hungry, but hey, daddy's on his way home. You would never <laughs> say that.
0: Right. No, that's good. That's a good um, reframe. Okay. I, we've been talking forever already, but I want to make sure um, how to, so what are the ways people can work with you? Oh, so um, basically three ways, you know,
1: I've been doing a couple of things. One is I am doing a 30 minute live every week, usually on Wednesdays, which I would love people to pop in because I want to just like cover the gamut on so much fun stuff. And, and Instagram I Instagram or Facebook, Instagram, Oh, in only Instagram. And okay. it's at the three day sleep solution.
0: Okay. Awesome.
1: I, and I also do a little daily dose of Davis well really not daily, but, but almost every day of the week where I just do a little and two at the moment. Um, uh, but I've got that, but I'm really committed to these lives and I will answer some questions during that too. So I would love people to get on those. Also, uh, uh, they can reach out to me via email, text, you know, DM, uh, when I work with somebody, it's usually one of three ways, all phone one time in person, then i phone. And then I live with you for three days and three nights. Those are my most, those are my packages that I, that I offer parents.
0: Awesome. And what's your website?
1: My website is the three day solution.com, but I, Literally
0: never use it. I just don't use it. So go In to fact, Instagram. Instagram. Is go the to way.
1: Instagram. Got it. Instagram
0: is the way with me. Yep. Okay. Awesome. All right. And before we go, you shared like a piece of advice you received, and you shared it with me today. And then I was like, "Oh, I really want you to share that with everybody." Can you? Yes. Um, tell us well, what so is a I good you, piece of advice you received. But
1: I want you to ask me the questions. What's my favorite? Okay, I'll start at movie? the beginning.
0: I'll start at the beginning. <laughs> What's a book you love?
1: Which. Funny enough, my actual favorite book is The Notebook. Really? And I'll tell you why. It's the first, because I used to be an avid reader, like in, uh, and I was like, I loved books, but it wasn't until I read The Notebook that it was the first book that I really read other than, you know, being a kid in Judy Blue books and feeling emotions. But The Notebook, the way he wrote that book conjured up emotions in me that I hadn't really ever felt in the written word, right? Right. That and the other one, I know this sounds so quirky, but Bridges of Madison County. Oh my gosh. They're both Nicholas Sparks, right? No, uh, oh. Bridges of Madison County is not. Okay. Um, All right. But those, those are are when I, when I think of like books where I'm like, God, I want somebody to read these. I think about that because it really, it conjures up some emotions, right? That, yes. and then of course, but the movie, and I think the movie did so well because it's so true to the book, actually. I really With do, notebook? but anyway. Yeah. The notebook.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. Ryan Gosling. I yeah. can't even yeah. like, if it's on, I cannot pass it by. I'm. I'm no, lost. nobody can. Nobody can.
1: <laughs> but those, but when I see those books, I also, but if I really want to go intellectual, I really, um, I really like the book, um, by Wally Lamb. Um, I know this much is true. Yeah. Pretty great book. 1200 pages but good book Um, okay so there you go next question movie a movie (laughs) you love (laughs) I listen everybody in the world knows this about me even my kids like you give them a trivia question and that one they'll say oh her younger um favorite movie 16 candles hands down she knows every single word but her adult
0: favorite movie is the green mile Ooh, so good. Okay. good. On the note of like, I just thought of John Hughes and Molly Ringwald and everything. Um, Andrew McCarthy's book called brat. I think it's called, Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. anyway, he just wrote it. It's like a memoir of the movies. I listened to it on audible and it was so good telling behind the scenes of like pretty in pink and less Mm -hmm. than zero and St. Elmo's fire. And it was just, it was very interesting. So side note. Um, okay. So book movie and then who is someone that you admire? Who is
1: someone I admire? Gosh, there's you know what there's so many there's so many people I admire, but I don't I don't know there's it's it's a it's a tough one these days I have to say. But can it can it be living or dead? Yeah. Well, it's Jesus.
0: Amen, sister. I don't even need. Oh, to
1: definitely. Ask. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no. yeah. Done and
0: done on that. Yeah, yeah, there's
1: so many people I admire, right? I can't pick one, but living or dead, absolutely, Jesus. And I know
0: he's living, but you get my point. Yeah. Okay, what, okay, now what is a good piece of advice? You ah, this is what we're talking about. <laughs> this, this is so golden that
1: when we, if you grab it and you get it, oh my God, freedom in life is um, the best piece of advice I've ever gotten is this. There's three kinds of business. There's your business, other people's business, and God's business. You will never find happiness being in anybody other somebody else's business or God's business. You will only find peace and happiness inside of your own business. Amen. Yeah. Anytime you're worried, you're stressed, you are in somebody else's business. You are. It's just fact. Anytime you are stressed about something,
0: you're either in God's business or somebody else's business. And it's so true as a parent, like how much that comes up at every stage of our kid's life, where we're trying, especially now with young adults, mm-hmm. um, just feeling like you're stressing about something that is their business. Like they're an adult or God, or God's business. Like God's working on them, right? God's yes, loves your children even more than you do. It's hard to imagine, but he does. And he's got them. He's got them. Oh,
1: what? 100%. And that is the hardest thing in the world, especially when they become adults, that this isn't my business. Like this is God's business. It's God's business.
0: And God is, they are God's child. Yes. Okay. I I love that you shared that because that's like, that's gold. (laughs) It is gold. I mean, you can't get much colder than that. (laughs) Love it. Oh my gosh. Well, of course we've talked for like an hour and I'm so like, we could go on and on. There's so many things that I know that people are going to take from this, but if they follow you on Instagram, they're going to get education and entertainment and they're going to be inspired. And I think just, they're going to learn a lot because this may be something that some people really didn't know was so deep, right? Like yeah. it, it might seem like, oh, I just have to teach my kid, like what time should I put them to bed? And you're going right. into circadian rhythms and addiction and feeding the brain and all of that. And it's fascinating.
1: Yeah, it, 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 it really, it really is. And, and yeah, so that's the whole idea. Like I started this, I parent educator, baby child advocate.
0: I love it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank so, you all right. so much oh God, for no, thank you.
1: coming on again. I love it. Love you. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.